to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We see the patience of God, the compassion of God in the face of of human weakness and frailty. And these are the kinds of things that we, you know, we really do need to understand. How does God deal with us when we are in a downcast state? How does God deal with us when we're going through seasons of doubt? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapter 15 in a message titled, The Abrahamic Covenant. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, Genesis 15, verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After these things, after the defeat of the Assyrian kings, after the refusal on the part of Abram to be enriched by the king of Sodom. After that uh, wonderful encounter with Melchizedek, the Lord now appears to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham or to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your exceedingly great reward. It's interesting that this is the word that the Lord had for Abram when he appeared to him. Do not be afraid. It seems that after this great victory and after this wonderful encounter with Melchizedek, Abram went into a season of darkness, into a time of fear, and I think into a time of doubt as well. And you see that sometimes, a great victory on the one hand, but then followed by a season of defeat. And we can even experience that ourselves. You have those Times, you know, where spiritually you're, you're just doing so well and you're walking in victory and God's blessing and he's using you and you're, you know, you're just sort of on the mountaintop as far as your experience goes. And then suddenly, for seemingly no reason at all, you can find yourself cast down into a pit. And it seems that that has happened to Abram here. Now, some people might disagree, but why else would the Lord speak to him and say, do not fear, unless he had suddenly been seized by fear? What would he have been afraid of? Well, perhaps he would have been afraid of the retaliation of the Babylonian kings, Perhaps, you know, being, being led, no doubt, by the Spirit and carried along in the Spirit to that 
great victory, you know, coming back and sort of settling down again, maybe suddenly it just struck him how amazing it was, all of the things that had happened. And maybe he started, you know, thinking through it and thinking, you know, what was that? And, you know, how did that happen? And, and I know we had a victory, but boy, what, what if those kings regroup? And surely they could do that. And, and what if they come back and they come back looking for me? I think that probably went through his mind. There might have also been the fear of material deprivation. Because the Lord says, notice, he says to him, do not fear. He says, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And so it seems that the way God is speaking to Abram to encourage him corresponds to the issues that he's battling with or struggling with at the moment. Abram, don't be afraid. Don't worry about the possibility of retaliation. I am your shield. I will guard you. I will protect you. Don't worry about material deprivation. Remember, he refused to be enriched by the king of Sodom. And again, of course, perhaps he was thinking if the, if the kings regrouped and came back, they would take away his belongings. But the Lord reminds him that not only is he his shield, but he is his exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, now listen to this. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So you see, here's where there's that, the doubt that's starting to come up. And you know, when we get into kind of a dark state or a, a state of depression, a state of fear, quite oftentimes doubt comes and begins to plague us. And, you know, it's pretty amazing when you think about it. Here's Abram. He's, he's no doubt fearful, as we've mentioned, and so forth. But the word of the Lord comes to him and encourages him, but he's not totally encouraged by that. You know, in a sense, it's almost like he says, well, okay, Lord, that's great, but... But, you know, what about those promises? What about what you told me? You told me that you were going to give me an heir. You told me that you were going to give me a child. And so, you know, as I look at this, I see, you know, here's a man who, like we said, he's had a great victory, but now he's, he's sort of down in a pit, and everything is just sort of getting to him right now. He's got the, the fears of the possible retaliation, like we said, but he's also evidently frustrated to some extent and, and disappointed to some extent over the fact that God hasn't come through yet with his promise. You remember God had said to him, I will make you a great nation. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. To your seed, 
I will give this land. And here he is. He's left his home, as God had told him to do. He's settled in this foreign place, but he says, you know, Lord, I have no child. You've given me no offspring. And you can almost hear in Abram's voice the cry of another. Remember the man in the Gospels who came to Jesus because his son was distressed by an evil spirit, and he comes and he says, he says, Lord, if you can do anything, help my son. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. And the man says, Lord, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. And, and it's almost as though Abram's saying the same thing. Lord, you're my shield, thank you. You're my great reward, thank you. But Lord, there's something else on my mind. I don't have any children. You, you haven't come through with your promise. And here, once again, as I pointed out previously, we see the humanity of the man. And I think we do ourselves and others a great disservice if we fail to take into consideration the humanity of the people that we're reading about in the Bible. The reason that their humanity is highlighted, or maybe highlighted is not the best word, but it's just shown for what it is. I think the reason for that is to give us hope and encouragement. You know, sometimes I think we tend to overly spiritualize the lives of the people that we read about in the Bible. And because Abram or Abraham, because he's known to us biblically, as, as a man of great faith, we tend to sometimes think that, well, you know, if he was a man of great faith, surely he couldn't have been a man who doubted. If he was a man of great faith, surely he couldn't have been a man who feared. If he was a man of great faith, certainly he was never depressed or anything like that because he was a man of great faith. But the reality is, Men and women with great faith get depressed sometimes. Men and women with great faith have seasons of doubt and go through times of darkness. This is just the way life is. Because, again, here's our great model of faith. He's afraid. He is downcast. He is questioning God's plan right now. He's confused. Lord, I thought you were going to do all of this stuff. And, you know, here I am. You've given me no offspring. And so, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, Eliezer that he mentioned, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. You know, again, we see the patience of God, the compassion of God in the face of, of human weakness and frailty. And these are the kinds of things that we, you know, we really do need to understand. 
How does God deal with us when we are in a downcast state? How does God deal with us when we're going through seasons of doubt? He doesn't upbraid us. He doesn't come on with a strong rebuke, but he patiently and graciously works with us. He says to Abram, no, Eliezer's not going to be your heir. Let me show you something. And he takes him and he shows him the heavens. And you see in it just, you know, this encouragement. And, and again, I say this because, you know, I know so many people that will oftentimes beat themselves to death, thinking that because they've been in a, a season of, of darkness or confusion or doubt or something like that, thinking that God is upset with them, thinking that God is angry with them, and they are living in this condemned sort of a state. I've had so many people over the years intimate to me through things they've said that they felt that when they've been depressed, they've been in sin. And I like to take them through the Bible and show them the places where the biblical writers were depressed. See, that, that's not, we, we have to understand that that's not necessarily sin. Now, of course, occasionally it could be. It all depends on you know, what's causing the depression. I mean, it's possible that a person's not trusting God. It's possible that disobedience has led to that. But it's also very possible that none of that is the case at all. It's just part of what we go through because of our humanness. It's part of what we go through because we are in a spiritual battle and there's warfare. So we have to understand God's heart toward us is one of patience. It's one of graciousness. It's one of tenderness as he's dealing with us. And we see the tenderness here in his dealings with Abram. And so we read in verse six concerning Abram, God took him, showed him the stars. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abram believed and it says Abram believed in the Lord, but I think the New Testament sort of commentary on this is Abram believed the Lord. Believed in the Lord would almost sound like, you know, up until this point, he hadn't really believed in the Lord as far as even his existence. Of course, that's not the idea that's being communicated. What Abram believed is he believed what God told him. He believed the Lord. He believed what the Lord said. Now, having stated that Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, look what happens as we go on. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Abram speaking again, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Now that's interesting to me because he's just been declared as, again, a man of faith. But immediately after the declaration that he's a man of faith, God tells him what he's going to do. And Abram says, well, how do I know you're going to do it? (laughs) 
You know, the thing we see about Abram that's, it's interesting, and we'll, we'll see it later as we go on in the story, but I'll just fast forward ahead of it. You remember when God is on his way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and you remember how Abram, how Abraham pleads with God, and you remember he, he starts with, you know, what is it? I think 50 righteous. If there are 50 righteous, will you spare the city? God says, for 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. Uh, what about 40? For 40 righteous, I'll spare the city. Uh, how about 30? For 30, I'll spare the city. Lord, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to say 20. How about 20? For 20, I'll spare the city. And then he, you remember, he goes all the way down to 10. And, you know, it's, to me, it's just interesting to see this, this man of faith, but yet he's, he's thoroughly human. And he says, okay, yeah, you show me the stars, you know, that this is great, but how do I know that this is really gonna happen? Now, again, here, I think, you know, we have a sincere question not born out of unbelief, but just born out of perplexity. Do you know that God is perfectly comfortable with your sincere questions and anybody and everybody's sincere questions? You know, I think sometimes, I know it's true because I've heard it so many times, we think of God as highly irritable sort of a person who's easily offended, who we can upset at the drop of a hat if we, you know, happen to just say the wrong thing, but nothing could be further from the truth. Think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had so many questions for God, so many things that he did not understand. And on one occasion, he says, Lord, I know you're the Lord. I I understand all that, but I don't get this. You know, if you, in other words, he's saying, if you are who you said you are, and I am who you've called me to be, your prophet and all that, what am I doing in this predicament that I'm in? Those are legitimate, valid questions that we can ask God. We can come to him. But I think, you know, sometimes I just think we get, I don't even know what the word for it is. I I don't know if religious would be a good term or, but you know, we get into a state where we're not being honest with God. We feel like we can't really express ourselves. We can't really tell him what's really on our mind. And again, here, I just think it's, it's really astounding, you know, because Abram is having a dialogue with the Lord. Oh, I don't, it says the word of the Lord appeared to him in a vision. Now, just exactly what that means, we don't really know. Is he having a, an encounter with the Lord where there's visual contact, or is it just he's hearing the voice of the Lord? We don't know exactly what happened, but he's having an intimate conversation with the Lord. And still, with all of that, he comes up with, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And now here's where it gets really really astounding to me. Verse nine, so he said to him, God said to Abram, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, 
a turtle dove, and a young goat. Here's something that we, we can't forget when we're looking at this story, and this is something that helps us in our understanding of all that's going on here. We can never forget that culturally, Abram was a Chaldean. And what God is about to do, God is about to condescend to Abram's level in order to help him understand and to build his faith and confidence in himself. That's what he's about to do. Because this thing that's about to happen is really, it's not only the development of a covenant between God and Abram, but it is actually a Chaldean covenant. This is how covenants were established among the Chaldeans. So, so Abram is saying, okay, Lord, you've been telling me this. You know, you told me this initially that got me out of my country. You've told me this, you know, as I've been here in the land. And now you're telling me again, but Lord, can you like give me something that'll really convince me that this is all real? And so God is going to take something that Abram is totally familiar with from his culture. He's going to take something that Abram will completely understand the full significance of it, and in understanding the full significance of it, it will give him the confidence and the assurance that he's lacking. Because this covenant was a Chaldean covenant. And so again, we see how wonderful and marvelous it is, how patient God is to think that the creator of the universe is making a Chaldean covenant with his servant who spent 75 years of his life in Chaldea. And so, verse 10, then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. Now, this sounds really bizarre to us, right? I was reading a commentary today by a friend, David Guzik, and he said, the things that God told Abram to get sounded more like the things you would bring to a witch doctor. I mean, this is bizarre to us. But this was... Essentially, in that region at that time, this was a, a binding contract. This is how a contract was made. A covenant is essentially a contract. And so, in a sense, God is saying to Abram, he's saying, okay, you want, you want a guarantee? All right. We're going to write up a contract. But the contract is in the form of this sacrifice. And so... Abram does as he's instructed to do. And so he divides the animals and he places them opposite one another at a distance. And there would be a path between the animals. For the month of October, 
Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Progress, Kindness, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. Do you recoil at the ancient practice of slavery in the Bible? Do you value modern-day freedom and equality? Do you abhor the mistreatment of minorities by some in the Christian church? If you answered yes to just one of these questions, or even all of them, then chances are you have unknowingly inherited the biblical notions of redemption, freedom, equality, and compassion. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener argues that Christianity has been infused into Western culture so thoroughly that its values are simply taken for granted, and their Christian origins have gone unnoticed. No matter what you believe regarding the existence of God, this book will help you understand some of the values you cherish most. The book, The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.